Welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. Today, we are going to be going through chapter two of Goodbye Despair. So just a heads up, this episode will spoil through chapter two, Goodbye Despair. We are so glad that you are listening today, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. I'm Caroline. And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One. Welcome to the Danganronpa Podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. This is the case where Peko kills Mahiru and blames it on Hiyoko, all in a ploy to get Fuyuhiko home. I was thinking for this episode we should call each other Girl A, Girl B, Girl C. <laughs> I'm Girl A. I'm girl B. <laughs> and we're the Ultra Girls. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing that really happens in this chapter is Nagito um, has a bunch of really creepy things to say, and his face oh, just yeah. kind of pans across the screen. I was just going to say, he basically says, like, hey, if anyone's wanting to commit a murder, I'll be your henchman, you know, and I'll help you, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. He or also... Your yeah true which is insane (laughs) yeah um i wrote down one of the quotes that he says which is if you try hard enough you can accomplish anything internet tv newspapers are overflowing with hopeful messages that say exactly that and i don't really agree with that i don't know if you guys do agree with that but i personally find media to be kind of depressing you know like a lot of people say that keeping up with media can lead to anxiety and depression and things like that so I don't know that I necessarily agreed with him there I took it as like um I agree that like watching the news and whatnot is definitely like a very depressing thing I took it in the more of like I guess maybe fictional way and in that way I kind of agreed with him because I think in like tv shows and books and inspirational stories and whatnot it's like believe in yourself follow your dreams like you it's like you are the or um it's like you can do anything if you set your mind to it like I feel like those messages are everywhere so I kind of agreed with him in that but I don't think I agreed with him when he said I have another quote from um from him at the beginning when um he says unworthy humans will never become worthy no matter what they do he's basically like some people are born worthy and some aren't and there's nothing you can do to change that and it's like kind of messed up but it also reminded me a little bit of Byakuya at least from the first game I can't help but think that but at the same time in some ways Nagito is like the polar opposite of Byakuya because Byakuya is out here like I'm the best person in the world and nobody compares to me and Nagito is out here like I'm a worthless piece of garbage somebody (laughs) please murder me and so like It's very weird. So I wondered what he would think of Makoto based on like the statement Maddie said about ultimates being worthy because, you know, on first glance, it's like, okay, well, Makoto at the end of Trigger Happy Havoc is deemed the ultimate hope. So it's like, wow, Nagito is going to love Makoto, right? Because that's like his icon, his idol. But at the same time, Makoto was 
born into the exact same place that Nagito is as the ultimate lucky student. And he doesn't respect himself, he being Nagito. And so I just, he kind of would disprove himself by saying that no one can turn worthy if he were to like Makoto then as a person. He's a, Mm. he's a pessimist. Yeah. I also just think that what a lot of what Nagito says in the beginning about talent and like you needing to be born with it and whatnot is just total BS. Like part of me is like, just no. I mean, he, like, as an example, what do you think, like, do you think Mikan was born a nurse? Like she came out of the womb with a syringe in her hand, like shot somebody. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this reminds me a lot of the book Grit that, um, Caroline recommended to me it's um by Angela Duckworth and it's so much about how like just natural talent isn't what makes you like an Olympic athlete or like a pop star or whatever it's also like you have to work to develop those skills and hone those talents and it's not just like you're talented and everything's going to be done for you you know it's it's like that's not the reality of it so here's the other thing if you think about Nagito he was luck is actually his superpower in a weird way if that makes sense like that's kind of been established like with the drawing lots and stuff like he's the lucky student so he's but but it's like very like literal this time like he is like literally lucky and so you could interpret that as somebody who is born with a luck superpower and but Makoto is the example of the person who takes their luck superpower and actually like takes the next step with it rather than like just relying on their natural born talent Mm, yeah I wonder if instead of saying like they were born with it he was saying that like no matter what Hiyoko could not grow up and be the ultimate cook you know like Mm, she was never gonna be that but you know she had the chance to be the ultimate dancer I don't know like I don't really know how to explain that but maybe instead of saying from birth just being like there was only a chance for someone to do one thing like I think if you don't have a goal when you're young, it's very hard to become the ultimate at something because this isn't just talent. This is the ultimate. This is the best person in this world at that thing. So if I decided today I'd like to snowboard and I went out and I practiced a lot, I will never be the best snowboarder. It doesn't matter how much I practice. I know that just in my soul, you know? (laughs) And so like to that kind of point, I could see Nagito's point, but I think he was taking it maybe even a level further. All right. So then we like start talking to the kids in the morning, right? Yeah. Which is a really (laughs) intense conversation. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really a morning person, but that, was such a big conversation to have um we find out that Hyoko is pro-death penalty <laughs> um I yeah I had a note about that and is it okay if I yeah go for it. go off on that all right um I thought it was so interesting and this is actually an exchange between Hyoko and Peko where um everyone's sad about Byakuya and Teru Teru and then Hyoko is like why should we be sad about Teru Teru like he he sucked he deserved to die and then Peko says something like hey, come on, you're taking it too far. And Hyoko says, is it all right to defend a killer? Are you trying to justify murder? Pekka says, no, that was not my intention, but... And then the last thing Hyoko says is, then you got to hate him more than ever. You got to hate him from the bottom of your heart. And it's just like, that feels like the dilemma that we face as like the players of this game is like, I mean, if you think about like, 
me and Leon, like, and Trigger Happy Havoc, like, it's like, I'm supposed to hate this character, like, he did something horrible, like, I don't want to defend a killer, I don't want to justify murder, but I also feel like I can't bring myself to hate these characters a lot of the time, even when they do these horrible things, and so that is just, like, a very, um, yeah, that was just kind of a very meta moment, where I was like, oh, wow, like, I'm being called out by this little this little girl with bananas as hair (laughs) (laughs) it actually really reminded me of our chapter six discussion from trigger happy havoc where we talked about like whose fault is it um i don't really agree with hyoko here she takes it to a new level like personally i yeah that it was too strong for me but at the same time she was making a lot of arguments that i was in in chapter six where i was like they're killers they are murderers like period you know like don't look beyond that look at the fact they murdered someone and yes there are outside influences but that doesn't change the fact that they committed murder and so like while her idea of a just punishment doesn't match my own it was kind of interesting it was a really cool parallel I thought to like the last game to have a character so bluntly put that out yeah and like right away chapter two right this is real. And also, like, obviously we learn at the end that Peko actually killed Mahiru for Fuyuhiko. It wasn't her just being a tool, like she's saying. But if she, what she was saying is true, right? If she was a tool, that would be an interesting conversation of like, okay, so as an assassin, like, is the intent behind the murder part of what makes it worse? Or is it like, if she's just carrying out a task she's been given by her job, like, I don't know. It's just an interesting conversation. Obviously we learned that that's not what's actually going on, but that did come to mind today when I was playing through it. I was like, man, like if she's just a tool, like how much is her fault and how much is Fuyuhiko, who is the hypothetical mastermind behind the whole thing. Right. I do want to talk about that, but maybe. Yeah, we should wait until. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) yeah. I have. My next pretty big note actually slips into um, a little bit of after that conversation happens where Mahiru and Hiyoko go to bathe each other. (laughs) Man nut time. Man Man nut. (laughs) So for those of you who do not know, like me, I did not know that if you bought the items, you unlock special events. So this is my first time kind of playing through with the events, which is kind of exciting. First time Um, man's nut. First time with man's nut. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I do want to have a conversation because here's the thing. I love Danganronpa a lot, but I do want to talk about areas where I don't love how they represent certain kinds of relationships. And this is one of them. So Hiyoko and Mahiru, you know, whether you ship them or not, that's a personal preference thing, you know, all that jazz. But I will say that the perspective in which we view Hiyoko and Mahiru in the specific cutscene where they're like all sudsed up, covering all of the, you know, naughty bits and all of that stuff, that really bothered me. And I know that it's fan service and I know that that's why it's in there. I don't like fan service because I don't like how it sexualizes women. And that instance is supposed to sexualize a same sex relationship, which I don't love. There are ways to do that to represent same-sex relationships in media which are not like that for example Hina and Sakura even though they could have been more explicit about it and that's something I really like wish that they had done but it was an older game so I understand why not but you know 
that's an example of a same-sex relationship that is represented that way. And obviously we could talk about like what, you know, okay, if, but if a same-sex couple's having an intimate moment, at what point is it fan service? And at what point is it just them having an intimate moment? This is fan service because Hajime is out here like, oh, my manly urges. I'm watching <laughs> two women bathe each other. But I just wanted to talk about that because I think it's, you know, it's okay to talk about the moments where I felt this game, at least for me, fell a little short in that regard because I was like, I understand anime culture, but this is not cool. Yeah, I will say um, the very things that you were just talking about were actually part of the reason why I didn't like Mikan playing through the game the first time. And I guess maybe it's not Mikan's fault. Like she's just kind of, you know, it's maybe it's the fault of the creators if they're, you know, explicitly or if they're specifically intentionally making like fan service moments or making like a character that's supposed to be like, but for me, Mikan felt like the fan service character, especially the way that she was always like tripping and like, you know showing showing under her skirt and like all of that stuff and that's kind of the reason why I didn't like her the first time I was like Mikan is just here like because but then I, I liked how they made it meaningful in the first trial like they actually kind of put a funny little twist on it and made it like a piece of evidence but like yeah I, I think I agree with a lot of what you just said Caroline I think the game likes to poke fun at tropes constantly that is like it's literal entire mantra is let's take a common anime trope and like twist it or make the people feel bad for like thinking that that's a cool idea you know um and so for me cons I actually didn't I mean yeah it's a compromising position but like like you said they put it into the trial as a point like what other game takes a girl in a compromising position to solve a murder like that (laughs) like you know and then for give them that yeah. yeah and Hajime the whole time being like not 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 that's a joke like no man <laughs> that's like humor <laughs> like they're poking that's fun true. at men for being that way about scenes like that like it's it's that's like very true. making fun of the watchers and so I actually think it's kind of cool that they take something like fan service and literally make fun of the people who enjoy it during it you know that's so, very fair I'm there with you I understand like yeah And I'm cool, and I love what this game does with that. I will just offer, though, right, as somebody who, like, as a young person playing games like this, like, would have liked to see a representation of myself in the games I was playing, it would be helpful for these, like, me-me moments to also be balanced out by, like, meaningful same-sex relationships. Because you could, if if they had both, then I would be like, lol, what a silly scene. But they they don't. That's all what their relationship is. And it, it, you know... Right, like they don't really show a lot, and yeah, no, I totally get that. That's very valid. And it boils down like the this relationship to just being a joke. Yeah, in the game, in a way. Like I know that like the, there are other things around it, and they have a meaningful re- relationship surrounding this one moment. But like framing it that way is like, lol, yes. But also, where's my like, you know, where's my meaningful <laughs> <have> to- love? <laughs> Yeah, the first time I played through the game, I didn't buy the man nut. So I didn't see the scene. And I had literally, <laughs> I didn't buy the man nut. I know, it's just like, that <laughs> what a phrase. Um, but I didn't buy it. And so I didn't see that scene. And quite frankly, I didn't think they had much of a connection, the two of them. If you had told me that they were in a relationship, wouldn't have believed you. Because 
I mean, I mean, maybe I would have believed you, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I would have been like, oh, really? Because the only thing, the only personal connection they have is that Mahiru helps her tie her clothing. That's it. Love. Like, Just kidding. Love. I don't ship them. <laughs> I don't really ship them either. I feel like it was almost like a kind of like a like a sisterly kind of connection almost is kind of yeah. the vibe I got like Mahiru is the older sister and Kyoko's the annoying little like little sis that is like always clinging to the the older one like come help me with this come help me with this and the older one kind of like begrudgingly is like all right I'll help you like care about you but you're right. still annoying <laughs> like that's kind of Maddie you know what that's like oh just my kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah Maddie's yeah. a younger sibling just for our listeners <laughs> I am yes I mean, we out here, we got a new area. Mm-hmm. That's right. Monami defeated a mana beast. Yeah. Yeah, which, she did. Who knows how she did that, but we have a, a new island that has appeared. And I guess these islands are like the new floors of the school, like they were in Trigger Happy Havoc. And now we have new new islands. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that Monami could defeat a mana beast. Oh, yeah. 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 That made me think that she was in cahoots with Monokuma. I thought she honest. was the whole time. Like, I won't say whether I'm right or wrong at this point, listeners. But the whole this whole game, I was like, she's evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, I was like, if you defeated one of them, go defeat the other ones. Like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, seems, it seems like it's, like, staged. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Like, the opening the floors of the school. Because that was yeah. something that Monokuma did last time, deliberately, to try to lead them on to get certain answers and find certain evidence. Monami also says, quote, leaving this island is no longer possible during that conversation in the diner, diner, um, dining hall, which is a little, like, sus. I mean, like, what does she mean by that? It sounds so final. It's like leaving this island right. is no yeah. longer possible. So this might be a good time then to kind of like go through the locations on the second island. And I want to start with the library because they talk about the island. Um, So we find out when we're talking to Sonia, there's a pamphlet, um, which the pamphlet is in English. And Hajime is like, what language is this? (laughs) And I know that this is a translation of the game. I am aware, but it's like English. What is this in English? I know. Um, To my understanding, most Japanese people do speak English too. So that's a little strange. I kind of wish they just put symbols all over it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Easy solution to that problem. Wingdings. (laughs) Wingding, yeah. Also, can we talk about how Sonia speaks 30 languages? Oh, I think we should. My waifu. Um, your waifu. Yeah. I'm very proud. <laughs> okay, so for the island, we find out that there's supposed to be a large administrative building on the center island, which I assume is where the giant statue is currently. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of the implication. Um, so that's not there. And then they also have a note in there that you can only travel by boat in between islands due to the environmental impact. So what I kind of thought about that when I first heard that was that one of like a couple scenarios, A, this isn't Jabberwock Island, like it's just a lie. Um, B, it's an artificial island, which they talk about. Um, um, or C, I thought that Monokuma had built bridges caused a huge environmental impact 
that drove everyone off of Jabberwock Island. Huh. Yeah. And that was why no one was there. That's why it's a fully established island with no people. Hmm, interesting. I also did a little bit of research on artificial islands as well. Um, when Sonia mentioned that, I was like, huh, like maybe. We clearly, whoever, I mean, they've mentioned before that this is like, this can only, this could only have been done by the work of an enormous organization. Like the way that this island is set up and how we've all lost our memories and like they've definitely said that before and so I'm like okay if there is an enormous organization behind it I think that they would have the power to set up the island like that or even build an artificial one and Sonia mentions um is it Palm Jumeira Jumeira yeah yeah one of those (laughs) yeah in whatever however it's pronounced but it's in Dubai I highly recommend y'all look listeners look up pictures of it it's really really cool but it's an artificial island and um, what I found, basically the conclusion I came to from from my research, and granted, I mean, <laughs> once again, maybe it means nothing because anime, suspension of disbelief, but um, building artificial islands is really difficult and it can really only be done like off the coast of land where the ocean is not that deep. And so theoretically, they're in the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of the water. And so building an artificial island somewhere like that would be pretty much impossible but then again, it's like, how much of that do you want to say, like, ooh, fact check, no way this is possible, something else is going on, versus, okay, anime, suspension of disbelief. So there's a trade-off there. The only other thing I have from the library is the article about serial killers, yep. where <laughs> our gal is mentioned. Woo! The gag is, is I feel like Pekka got the idea for the serial killer lie in this very moment. Oh, when yeah. she was hearing um, Sonya talk about this, she was like, oh, um, yeah, okay, that's what I'm oh, going to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also, it's really funny, I'm glad that I wasn't paying too much attention the first time I played this game, because, like I've said before, I played this one before Trigger Happy Havoc, and so she says, like, oh yeah, Genocide Jack is a high school girl who wears a sailor uniform, or something like that, and, like, I didn't remember that like I didn't make that connection ever so um Toko being Genocide Jack in the first game was still a surprise for me but if I had been paying attention (laughs) then I would have been like oh well hello there (laughs) hello there Genocide Jill the last thing I will say and this is maybe slightly off topic but I'll just throw it out there anyway I think it's funny how Sonia is such a huge like murder and serial killer fan but I also have my own personal issues with our culture's adoration of serial killers. Um, mm. I have I have serious issues. Like, just the fact that, like, so many TV shows exist. And there's a place where, like, I'm pretty sure it's Jeffrey Dahmer where you can, like, go on a tour. Like, a Jeffrey Dahmer tour. And, like, find out, like, where, like, all about his life. And it's, like, so... In our society, like, I, I just, I don't like that it's, like... um it's like a trend and it's like something, especially a lot of young women find like really cool or like, wow, it's so interesting. Or like, wow, I'm such a fan. Like there, I feel like sometimes it gets taken too far and I don't really like the culture around it, but. There was the uh, movie with Zac Efron, yep. um, the extremely, what was it like? Extremely, uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Yep. And it was a phenomenal movie, but a lot of critics were like, he's so attractive like why'd you do that and that's the point 
that was the whole point about that killer is that he was attractive and during his trial all the girls were like oh we should like he's innocent let him go free or like I don't care if he killed people and it's like horrible horrible and like not okay yeah (laughs) yeah so you're very valid yeah (laughs) it's just me on my little soapbox but (laughs) but I love Sonia we get rickrolled at the beach house yes we do (laughs) I was laughing so hard at that I didn't notice that the first time I played through no I just thought I mean it was Kazuichi so I was like half paying attention oh sorry to all the Kazuichi fans out there that's real though <laughs> brother I'm there I'm so sorry <laughs> but yeah I was like blah blah but this time when you know I analyzed every single word they say I was like wait <laughs> yeah oh god that was so funny that was like one of the best moments of this chapter when a when a video game makes a, makes a Rick Astley reference you know it's a good game true that's the, the mark now. that that is the bar and it has been set by Danganronpa 2 um, the only other place I have is the ruins. That looks like Hope's Peak, but old yeah, it does. and aged. And the door says future, just like the hotel yeah. says future. Um, and it's interesting because Mona, uh, Monami and Monokuma can't enter what's beyond the door. Yeah, or so Monokuma says, but I think we've learned from the past that he doesn't really lie. So they find out that Nagito has been put in the dining hall where Byakuya was killed. Yeah. Yeah, that was horrible to me. Kyoko says, so you're saying it's better to kill off a troublesome ally before they become an enemy. And I was like, Kyoko is whipping out the lines today. Like, she was on fire. She kind of is, yeah. Yeah, and then Fuyuhiko says, "Like, look at you, sheep, acting all righteous." Because they all were like, "Yeah, like this is like the best thing that we can do, and like it's right." And like, oh, I hated it. I would have been so opposed to that. It's unreal. So I guess I'm curious, like, what you guys thought. Like, is it okay that they tied Nagito up? No, I understand why they did it. Like, I get why. But I don't think what they did was the right way to go about solving that problem. Hey, you know what might have been better? Let's sit down. Hey, Nagito. Let's have a discussion. <laughs> Let's have a chill conversation Jason. with Nagito. <laughs> but, like, for real, like, I get that he was like, just come and tell me your plan and I'll be your victim or whatever. I don't care. I'll be your accomplice. But that is a commentary on the other people, not him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He already tried to sponsor a murder, and it got the killing game started. Sponsor. That's what he wanted. Sponsor, sponsor a murder. I know. I just <laughs> Can I get 10, 20, 20? Can I get 25? <laughs> but, like, for real, like, he's not going to do anything. It's the other kids. And so... I hear you, Marin. I kind of think that it's so tough, because, like, I don't think it's right to have, like, tied him up and left him sitting in a dining hall for, like, I don't know, like three days? How long did they leave him there? Like, I don't even know. But I also kind of don't blame them because like part of me also like was a little surprised, not gonna lie, when they didn't do something like that to like Toko in Trigger Happy Havoc after she was revealed to be the serial killer. Because like, what do you do when someone like in your group comes out and expresses like genuine murderous intent and you're like, 
Well, you, you could, I think we could argue, we could have a debate about whether Nagito has general, or even Toko has genuine murderous intent, but it's right. like, they're a danger, you know, it's like they're, they've made themselves, like they've proven that they're a clear danger to this group. But I, I, is it, did anyone, was I the only one who kind of felt bad for Nagito here though? Cause I was like, he's terrible. Like he's, God, he, he did something wrong, like really wrong, but I kind of felt bad for him. Can we talk about Mahiru straight up being like, I thought he would need some food. So I decided I would make food for him. She was like, you know what? This guy has been tied up and he is, you know, other people are like, oh, he's an enemy. He's a threat. But Mahiru is like, but I feel bad for him. I'm going to make him some food because basic human decency. And then she you know makes I mean? Hajime bring it to him. Because Nagito won't eat it unless a man feeds it to him, which brings me to my next point <laughs> nagito definitely into hajime oh yeah oh my god the writers actually have said that they wrote it that way like i think really i'm pretty i don't know that for a fact i haven't seen it myself but i was on um like i don't know if it was discord or something and someone said that the writers themselves have said that they intended there to be tension between the characters mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean i see it and I think, like, yeah, I think it's kind of neat. And I didn't notice it the first time I played through the game at all. And then all this fan art's out here, like, Nagito and Hajime. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now I know. It's also, Nagito's entire personality just geeks me because, like, he's just in the, like, worst of situations. Like, he's literally been, like, beaten to unconsciousness. Like, they, like, knocked him out and, like, tied him up and left him in the room where he, like, tried to kill somebody. And, like, Hajime comes in and like Nagito's just like hey like what's up good to see you like sit down make yourself comfortable like thanks for bringing me some food and you're just like Nagito like oh he's like the dog in the meme where his house is on fire and he's just like this is fine (laughs) he um when he gets untied later and he's talking to Kazuichi um he's like the true work of an ultimate there was only mild bruising and it's like (laughs) what is that oh all right my next point is the uh game the video game i have one more thing but it's very brief i just think it's um it's like literary reference time yay i just think it's kind of accurate that monokuma refers to himself as big brother because it's like you know we if from 1984 like big brother is the mysterious dictator who's terrorizing everyone but like no one actually knows who he is like in 1984 it's like in the book it's a whole thing that like big brother isn't actually like an individual person it's like they have his picture everywhere but he nobody actually knows like if he's like a real person or if he's just kind of this like idea that they've created of like an ideal dictator whatever and I feel like that kind of parallels Monokuma pretty well yeah for sure so let's talk about the worst graphics (laughs) <laughs> okay in the i think world, you mean the best the graphics game. the game was made supposed to have been made in 1996 so let's give them a little credit oh my b <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no you're good but yeah it was it was like a playoff of i think a real game um but you can't get it on steam i looked for it because i was gonna uh, buy it and play it but yeah it's about high school girls who explore numerous urban legends which is pretty cool, yeah. pretty lit. I mean, the motive is, and it 
is definitely a very interesting one. And I, I was, I was kind of like, when we were gonna, about to like play through this chapter, I totally like forgot how long it is. And a lot of it is because the motive is its own like experience, right? which is definitely very different. And it's very personal. That's the other thing. Like all the motives have been like, have affected all the people in the group. But this motive was targeted sort of at a certain select group of people, which I think is very, very interesting. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of the first time that's happened. This case, I wrote down that if I were in this game, I actually think I would have had a really hard time with this case figuring out who did it because it feels like they spoon fed it to you. Like, it's like, here's this sparkling justice mask. She fights for justice. And here's like this video game where you literally find out that Fuyuhiko's sister has been murdered and Mahiru covered it up. And it's like, I don't know, Fuyuhiko in the trial is really aggressive towards Hyoko. And if it was me, like just looking back at this case as a whole, I would have been very, very suspicious of Fuyuhiko, like to the point of probably getting it wrong. I will say this is not one of my favorite cases in the Danganronpa games. Like, as far, I, I loved, loved, loved um, the, the Pekko and Fuyuhiko thing in this chapter. Oh my god, I loved it. But as far as the actual murder itself with the motive and the means and the figuring out the whatnot, it, it wasn't my favorite. It, it felt a little bit like, I don't know, it just it just didn't feel as good to me. And also the the thing they set up in the um, the video game where you have to solve the video game murder as well as the real murder that's going on, it was just kind of like, it, it felt like they were trying to fill the holes in what was lacking in the actual murder case with the fake murder case. So like that happened in, or I guess not really fake, it happened in the past for them at Hope Speak Academy, but it almost felt a little bit like like they were trying to fill that with it. And I didn't love that. And I also will say I ha- there were like so many holes in the the murder that happened in the in the Twilight Syndrome thing that just bothered me so much. That is actually so I have learned pretty recently actually. I, like I, I've always been a Danganronpa fan, but I've never been like you know I haven't explored the fandom very much. You know what I mean? So I've always just kind of liked it on my own, and it it surprised me at first, but to Maddie's point, I understand why. This is one of a lot of people's like least favorite or like one of their least favorite cases because of literally that reason. I love the end. Like the reason why it happened and like the people involved love love that. But it's like everything else is like I wish it was better. Like it, it does fall flat for me a little bit. Like it like the ending and the reasons why brilliant. And how it connects to the motive, I really like. But it's like the the pieces to make it so, I don't know. It it just like, it it feels long-winded for a case that probably could have been fit in before an intermission. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I I loved the video game within the video game. I realize that that's probably an unpopular opinion, but I... I don't know. I really enjoyed the way that they framed it. And honestly, I liked the case more than I liked the ending. (laughs) I don't know if that's weird just because the moral question at the end I didn't find that difficult to answer in my own personal beliefs morals opinions whatever which is not everyone's so I actually enjoyed playing the game and like having to figure out who's girl a which they also spoon fed you because like the lines were very obvious in my opinion (laughs) but um yeah I don't know I did enjoy that 
Oh yeah, Maddie. Um, what are the plot holes? I'm I'm actually curious because I can think of one, which is where did the swimsuit go after she murdered? But um, what yeah. are the others? Where did the swimsuit go? The biggest the biggest thing that bothers me about the case that they set up there was that. I mean, Marin, you're a nurse, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not think there is any way that you could take like fish gravel and wrap it in a swimsuit and create a heavy and blunt enough weapon to bludgeon someone to death. Like that is not like gravel is it's like sand. It has give to it. You hit someone in the head and it's going to like mold to that shape a little bit. Like it's malleable. It's not like you, I mean, <laughs> it's not like you're taking a dumbbell and hitting someone in the head with it like you know we had in chapter two. Oh, too like, soon like, come on literally it's like that just is so unrealistic to me so unrealistic yeah I really didn't like it either the gravel in the swimsuit like I remember the first time I played this and we had to figure that out and I was like how like you spoon fed us everything else it was like this you just ripped away the spoon and the bowl and the table and like there's nothing there good luck like (laughs) it it doesn't really make sense I mean at least to me that is not like I mean she what like the other thing is like the girl I think Sato right like made her unconscious by choking her and then decided to craft this improvised weapon to bludgeon her to death and that just does not make any sense to me I mean A, there's the whole issue of like, oh my gosh, I've made someone unconscious. Better kill them. That's going to be better for me than like having them wake up and having to deal with that. Like, no, that is not better. What? I actually (laughs) disagree. And I'm not saying murder is okay in any way. I'm not condoning that. But she just choked out the daughter of the Kazurio clan. That is a death sentence if she doesn't get away with it. And the girl saw her choke her. There's no question about it. She knows that she was just choked by Sato. So, like, Mm, I actually disagree with you. Her life was done the second she choked her. That's fair. But why not just continue choking her? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I can't explain that. (laughs) I think Ibuki says, she says, even the ace attorney would be astonished by such a fantastic idea. Yeah. <laughs> and not in a good way <laughs> no, not in a good not way not at all <laughs> oh my god okay but but that's fair Marin because I did kind of forget because I was like you know you accidentally knock someone out and then you think it's better to just kill them like no but you're right she's the daughter of the the largest Japanese mafia clan like <laughs> she's done for yeah that's really fair yeah I do want to touch on the uh, very interesting scene that happens following the scene that we play the game, where we we team up with our bro, our fave, Kazuichi. Sarcasm, (laughs) I'm not a fan. It's okay if you are. Um, And we go go watch some girls Mm -hmm. half naked. This is an example of fan service that I'm like, okay, I understand the meme because like, so they're waiting for Sonya to arrive and Sonya's like, wetsuit time. And like, I'm like, (laughs) that is the punchline of the joke. Like I understand that. Like, yes, that was so good. I actually kind of loved that. I like, yeah, I did too. I wrote down Sonya's wearing a wetsuit to prevent sunburn at Maddie. She's the perfect girl for you. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) health conscious also i think it's so funny that at one point akane 
when Akane comes to the diner and she's covered in blood and everyone's like, oh my God, Akane. The first thing she says is, what? I remembered to wear a swimsuit this time. I know. I like, dude, what? I love her. I love her so much. I love her so much. She is just such an icon. I want to comment a little bit on this one passive comment that then sent me into a total spiral of thinking, which is Ibuki says um, to Akane when she walks in with her bloody head, she says, it wouldn't be strange if we nicknamed you Carrie right now. Let's talk about Carrie, you guys. All right. It got me in a little spiral of thinking because every wound that we encounter in this chapter is a head wound. Every one is that image of like the blood on the top trickling down. And I was like, that's a little bit interesting. That's like four people that we see in this chapter who are injured that it's a head wound. You are correct. And that makes me a little bit forgive the plot hole with the gravel in the swimsuit because choking would not have created that connection. There you go. Ring a ding ding. Mind blown. Use the bat. What? No, I'm not forgiving anything. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caroline, ring a ding ding. Marin, what? No. <laughs> I will cut through your word. <laughs> I will cut through the lies. <laughs> okay. Um. So the other thing is a big part of Carrie is the theme of revenge. Um. And in the, in Carrie's situation, it's her revenge on the other students, not like them killing her because unfortunately every person who has the the carry illusion on their bodies dies it's not like they're getting revenge but instead they are a tool for another person's revenge which i think is very interesting Mm. um yep and another thing what maddie just said i actually wrote this down when you said it about how um the video game is is a game based on researching or like looking into urban legends and so Carrie's whole story, the whole story of this novel, and it's by Stephen King. Surprise, surprise. Spoiler alert. There's pig blood at the end. You probably already know that if you're at this point. <laughs> like, you know, but um, a, a lot of people, like, I don't know if he himself has said this, but it's known as like sort of a cautionary tale in a way, because Carrie was such a product of her circumstances. Um, and I think that being a product of their circumstances is a lot of, I, I would even argue like a lot of the people who die, at least Mahiru, right? Because she could, didn't remember doing, being part of this murder and then it shows up and then she's like, oh man, I want to make things right and talk to the people involved. And then someone said, uh-uh, revenge, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Uh, that I just thought, kind of thought was interesting, but there's not like a direct correlation, but I think a lot of the themes that we see in Carrie are sort of very, are very present here in this chap in chapter two. Um, yeah. So that comment. Very cool. I said, Carrie? <laughs> literary girl. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, we just want to let you know, we have a Patreon and it is a hop in time over there. Let me tell you, if you become a patron, you get to join our discord server, which is pretty awesome. You get to talk to us directly. We also have specialty episodes, all that jazz. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on basically all the social media platforms, Ultra Hope Girls podcast everywhere. And we also want to hear from you guys and hear what you have to say. So uh, in the episode description, there is a link to Anchor where you can leave us a voicemail. We love to hear your questions and your thoughts and comments. It always makes our day. So anyway, we'll be back after the break. Hey, it's Kate. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and we are back, and we have a body. This body announcement is the first body announcement where we are not the ones discovering the body. Yep. And I loved it. Like, I respect the game creators with all of my heart and soul. They created a fantastic, you know, series. But I really wish there were more cases like that, you know? Um, And maybe there will be. But, like, I I don't know. I just think that's such an a twist because you can't trust that something hasn't been altered. You can't like see it with your own eyes. Where is it going to be? You know, I, I just, I don't know. I love that they did that. Yeah. And what you say about you can't trust that things have been altered. As we learn later, they were altered. Like the scene was set up to frame Hyoko. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I agree with that. It's like, you know, the body discovery announcement happens and so this is the first time where we're like who is it oh my god who is it we don't know who it is until we run in and find them and it's caroline (laughs) i'm dead like (laughs) when i first played the game i found my hero and i literally sent a video to caroline and maddie that was like caroline no (laughs) (laughs) too good all right so investigation the trash can with the water bottles I just want to note one quick thing, which is that you click on it. It says, quote, I was looking for a clue, but there's nothing here, dot, dot, dot. I guess it's not that easy, huh? And then it becomes a truth bullet. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally like, are you kidding me? I was like, this is a moment when I was like, Hajime, are you serious? Like he looks at a trash can full of plastic water bottles and is like, no clues here. I'm like, buddy everything is a and then clue. his like brain disagrees <laughs> it's, it's like he says something and his brain's like truth bullet <laughs> no oh my god it, everything is a clue and the lack of clues is also a clue it's just like yeah i also this the first note i have actually maybe it's like the second the investigation starts is that monokuma says on this island dying from sickness is basically the only death that, that's considered not a murder so even accidents are murder. Like if I accidentally knocked over a lamp and like killed Marin, like I would be the I would be blackened. And so it's like <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> if I accidentally knocked over a lamp and killed Marin, Maddie Sarlo. It doesn't take much. A bag of gravel, a lamp. <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever had like the thing where people have you talk in like classes or whatever they have you talk about like intent versus impact about like the things that you do and like an accident an accidental murder is like no intent but you impact you killed somebody versus like a failed murder attempt is like you had the intent but no impact because you failed wow huh um but like in this case it maybe like connecting it to murder um the way that monokuma says it is like intent does not matter here on this island it's all impact it's all like you kill somebody like somebody dies who okay who was the person who initiated the chain of events that caused this person to die doesn't matter what their intent was like you know monokuma says like 
um, at the end, you know, at the end of chapter one, when Terra Terra is like, oh, like, or no, 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 it's, um, it's Leon. And I mean, obviously, like, in chapter one of Trigger Happy Havoc, his self-defense claim was kind of bogus. But let's say he had <laughs> kind of. genuinely killed in self-defense. It still wouldn't have been, it would still wouldn't have mattered. Like, it's, intent doesn't matter. It's impact. Like, you killed somebody, too bad. You're gonna get executed. I just want to add on to that. It's funny, too, because Pecco literally later says that her role is all about her actions, not, like, what is behind them. Like, it's what she does that defines her. Mm-hmm. And it's funny yeah. that that is, like, the murderer of this chapter, of course, is the person where it's the impact that matters. Like, the yeah. the physical act of killing that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So the next thing I have is in the bathroom with Akane. Um, yeah, um, I had that too. <laughs> <laughs> you find out that her stepmom's boyfriends give her full body massages, and that made me really sad. Like that, yeah. actually broke my heart for I know. Akane. Like that is horrible, and like, yeah, and she doesn't seem to be really aware that it's a problem either. Yeah. She doesn't seem to really understand, which is horrible. It's so sad. Yeah. Okay, so Nurse Marin here. Um, this is one of my big points. Um, they say that Mahiru died instantly. And I heard that and I said, hmm, <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> so I did some research. Um, so dying instantly, that takes a lot. And there, it is very highly debated as to whether or not dying instantly is even possible. Um, so for you to die instantly, I have some facts here. You would need to have an injury that stops your brain fac- uh, function faster than the speed of neural transmission, which um, I found, according to Discovery Magazine, it, uh, your nerves travel at a speed of up to 268 miles per hour. So fast, very fast. And that would allow you to not recognize death, even if your body was technically alive. If you can cut off all neural transmission that fast, you're not going to know. Just kind of something from more the medical standpoint, saying that is interesting. And also, unless Mekon literally did a full autopsy and saw a gigantic brain bleed in a specific area, which don't think she did. I mean, maybe then I don't think it's physically possible for her to have come up with that uh, conclusion. That's very interesting, Marin. Thank you. I, I When I played this part and Mikan said that, I thought of that immediately. I was like, I wonder what Marin's going to say about that. Because I, <laughs> I was like, I had an inkling yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. it was a little, yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think. I don't have anything like major with the evidence except that when you replay the game it kind of has the sort of like like we've talked about for those of you who are here for chapter five of game one we i talked a little bit about brecht and brechtian style theater and the game when you replay it has that very brechtian style where it tells you what's going to happen at the end of the game at the beginning also an interesting thing that i saw i thought it was just kind of a, a funny detail that they um Put into the game is that when they compare the two pictures of Sato, the girl who died, um, the one that like is from the the game, and then the one of her like IRL like in real life dead body, which is also you know in you know it's in Danganronpa, but like the IRL one for them, their real life picture versus the picture from the Twilight Syndrome game, 
the picture of the real girl is like the video game digital art and then the picture of the cartoon girl who's supposedly from the game is a real picture of a real person I just thought that was like interesting (laughs) it's like the alternate um side of things but my my last note from um the investigation and it's in all caps with a sad crying face is that Gundam wanted to be invited to the beach party (laughs) Gundam (laughs) he's a baby my name is Gundam Tanaka remember it well I only had one more note about the evidence, which is that um, Nagito says, there's a serial killer hiding among us. I'm pretty sure I've seen a twist like this in some video game, which they're obviously referencing Trigger Happy Havoc. But I thought it was interesting, kind of the parallel, because I don't know that I'd consider a hitman a serial killer, like a serial killer by definition as someone who kills a bunch of people with the same like MO, you know? And so, yes, she carries out order orders about people who she's told to. So I don't know, you know, come to your own conclusions. But as soon as you figure out that Pekko is working for the Kuzurio clan, she calls him master, mm. which is exactly like a certain other serial killer in a different game. <laughs> That's an interesting parallel. And there's, there's the parallel with Fuyuhiko, too, saying things like, yep. an eye for an eye, that's the world I live in, or like, I don't need anyone around me, I don't trust anyone around me, like, there's definitely a massive parallel. But the difference between Fuyuhiko and Byakia is, an eye for an eye, that's the world I live in, but that's not the world he wants to live in. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that's so real. My hub sand wants to escape! <laughs> Help him! Fuyuhiko on the inside is just a fluffy ball of fluff. I love that little man. <laughs> I actually wrote down, this case really stinks for Fuyuhiko, and then underneath, good thing Caroline's here for him. (laughs) I know when Mahiru died, I literally have a note that says, I'm dead, with like a little sad face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have, so, trial? Yeah, I'm I'm ready ready if you guys are. So this case, there's a lot that like, the only reason that I believe that this was executed as well as it was was because Pecco did all of the things. If it was anyone except Pecco, I would have been like, no way, what? There's no way that they planned that that in- intricately and whatever, and it all went as planned. But with Pecco, like, it, I, I understood and I get it. But also, I have to ask, could you just imagine if Pecco just, like, accidentally dropped the sword out when she reached the window and she just dropped it and Monokuma would be like you littered and smite her <laughs> like, <laughs> like if like anything went wrong she would have been littering and they would have like punished her I was like <laughs> that funny. wow that's you know insane what I mean? littering is on the same tier as murder here in this for <laughs> yes. like as what you, your punishment is <laughs> Oh man, I had a lot of trouble in this trial the first time I played through with the spot picking um, challenges because, like, I got I got that Hyoko's in the closet. Okay, that that was easy. However, when they asked me to pick where the murderer was hiding, I kid you not, I clicked the cooler, 
where the water bottles <laughs> used to be. Because <laughs> I didn't put it together that they were in like the, the, the case. And so I was like, well, where's the only other place they could be? I guess where the water bottles were. Sure. <laughs> a lot of things like that in this trial where I literally didn't know the answer because it wasn't like a piece of evidence I was like yeah yeah um I was convinced that the killer was on the roof at that time which could have made sense but they wouldn't she wouldn't have been able to see Hiyoko so true I also picked Sonia as the murderer when I got down to the like pick a person because I was like, okay, well, Mahiru wanted to meet with all the women except for Peko and Sonia, right? And I was like, Sonia made the beach plans to get everywhere, everyone, one place. She was late, and she was also wearing a wetsuit, which I was like, that's in the closet at the beach house and also would cover up all the blood. And so I was like, easy peasy, it's Sonia. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I had that thought for a moment as well. Actually, if they hadn't put Hyoko on the stand so fast in the trial, I think I probably also really would have considered her because she was really the boy who cried wolf. You know, like she's in the trial, like crying, like, oh, like, I didn't do it. No one believes me. And it's like, if you act like that all the time, no one's going to believe you when it counts. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, that was the perfect person to frame, I thought, because she literally, who trusts her? No one. I don't even know if Mahiru trusts her. Oh man, I will just say, y'all, with the bamboo sword thing, I was so lost my first time playing this. And I literally was at like, bamboo SW. And then it clicked. (laughs) Because I forgot that Peko's sword was made of bamboo. Like, I was like, bamboo <laughs> swag? What is going on? Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Bamboo um, swag. Meanwhile, a funny story. My sister, when she was playing this game for the first time, she has never played Danganronpa before. She was playing this game when she got to this trial. Like, four seconds after the suspicion fell on Peko, my sister was just like, oh, did she use her sword to, like, pole vault out of the bathroom window? And I was like... <laughs> How did you, you got that in like four seconds and it took me like until the end of Hangman's Gambit <laughs> to realize what was going on. Ultimate detective, y'all. Kyoko Kirigiri who? So the next thing I have is like after Peko is like outed. So I don't know if you guys have something before that. I do. I have, I have one thing. We've talked about how in the past about like, why do they believe Monokuma? Like, with all these motives, like, what reason do they have to believe that Monokuma is going to keep his word and give them a million dollars or do blah, blah, blah? Um, and we've been kind of critical of that in the past, I think. But this case is really different, I would say. I mean, Fuyuhiko is literally given a picture of his dead sister and he doesn't remember it. But that's, I mean, wow. Like, if I were him, I'd be like, that confirms it. This is real. Like, this is real. The next thing I have actually is a quote that, like, I don't mean to steal Caroline's thunder because she's the quote girl. She comes up with our titles. We might have the same. We Do we really? Same I have okay. a quote as well, but it might not be the same. I, I found a Can we say it at the same time? No, no, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no Mary, that's terrifying. So um, okay, so the quote that I have is from Gundam, um, and it's when Peko says, like, she's done the sparkling justice thing 
everyone's realized like like then Sonia's like oh like no Spanish and then (laughs) Pecco's like no it's fine like it was me and Gundam says among flowers the cherry blossom among men the samurai I can like I commend your decisiveness at least and so I thought the title could be among flowers the cherry blossom because like that is Pecco I mean like I don't know I just (laughs) it was kind of a moment of respect thing that's so but it was very different than Sakura's kind of moment of respect um it's kind of two very similar sacrifices but with two very different outcomes I don't know um and so it was interesting to see two women um in the kind of combat field who are both highly respected and see how they're I don't know I don't want to say funerals but we'll say funerals played out that's it and and the rest of this it's like it, it it's just an interesting like Pekka and Fuyuhiko, right? The relationship there, the, the dynamic is very interesting because Pekka views herself one way, but Fuyuhiko views her another. And it's like if Pekka just let herself be viewed the way Fuyuhiko views her, they would have been together before Aww. she died. You know what I mean, though? Like it's so powerful how the self like puts an identity upon itself. And then, you, you know, but other people are like, no, like, buddy, you're a person. Yeah. Not a I tool. will say that Pekko and Fuyuhiko are like one of my ultimate like OTPs in the Danganronpa franchise. I, I love them. I know, Caroline, you've said in the past that you see them more as like friends, like a, a strong like friendship bond from childhood. But I see them like I ship them. I just... I just love them and I love want them to love each other and like ugh, but at the same time it's like Pekko has been like pretty much brainwashed by the the Kuzuryu clan into not seeing herself as a person and I don't think that's Fuyuhiko's fault I mean he's there you know they were both kids starting out in this and so it's you know I don't think that's Fuyuhiko's fault at all I think because he doesn't really have power over that and he doesn't want that for her either so I was gonna say that like oh I've always they've always been my OTP like I ship them I love them so much but in reality I think that I could only really like genuinely ship them and see them as like a healthy happy relationship if it was a completely like Kuzuryu clan gone like in the past we are not affiliated with them anymore like I don't know all AU or just like in I don't know if Pekka lived and they went forward into the future, like just leaving all Kuzuryu clan stuff behind. That's the only way I can see that being like a genuine relationship. Cause it's just so, that's my take on it. I just cry. I love them so much. I want them to be happy. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, do you guys think that a person can be a tool? Cause I sure have my opinion. <laughs> I mean, morally, no. Like, do I think that somebody could be brainwashed enough into believing that they are a tool and just doing anything that they're told? Yes, I think that is unfortunately possible. But morally, do I believe that someone can be nothing more than a tool? No. Yeah, because I think, like, if you say that Pekko is a tool, then all hitmen are tools and they should not be punished for their crimes, which is, I strongly disagree with that. You know, (laughs) I'm sure you know I disagree with that, but I don't think you can be a tool as a person. I think you can act as a weapon. A weapon can't fire itself, so it is a human 
committing an act of violence, but like that doesn't make you a weapon. You can like act as one, but you cannot be one. You're a person, you know, like, I don't know. I just had a really tough time with that. And like, they say that Monokuma wouldn't have judged it that way anyways, because he saw what went on in the room. But like, that was such a painful thing to watch for someone to be like, nope, I'm not, I'm an object. Like, I can't be blamed for this crime because I'm an object. Like, that is horrible. I agree with you. But it's also, like, we see later that she's, like, totally lying. And so in that way, it kind of gave me hope for, like, (laughs) hope for, like, her (laughs) actually having some autonomy and seeing herself as an individual and and that that was, like, the, the, the tool thing was, like, an act that she was putting on. And maybe she doesn't actually genuinely believe that about herself. I think there's an element of herself that absolutely does. But I also think that she definitely has autonomy because in that moment when we have the flashback to what happened in the beach house with Mahiru, like Fuyuhiko, like she takes the bat and like kills Mahiru and Fuyuhiko is like, stop, like, wait, what are you doing? Like he didn't order her to kill Mahiru at all. Like, and it's just, so my conclusion from that is like, absolutely not. Pekka was not a tool, but I, I do think there's a possibility that she, a part of her, still sees herself in that way i think that um a big like i think like at least law enforcement in america may be wrong about this but as of now if like a hitman is used they try to find the hitman and the person who like tried to get the other person killed right so i ideally it would be like hypothetically if Fuhiko was like killed this person for me peko it would be both peko and Fuyuhiko, who went. I wanted to note another kind of interesting parallel from Trigger Happy Havoc, if that's all right. Yeah. Is that in the, the panic talk action thing minigame at the end, the person that you're like shooting down the shields for is not the black end. Like in, in Trigger Happy Havoc, it was Taka defending Mondo. Mondo was like, no, I did it. Like, I'm, I admit it. I will take my punishment. And Taka's like, no, no, like, I'll protect you. And in this case, it's Pekko being like, yep, it was me. And Fuyuhiko was like, no. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's just, that's, yeah, some, some cool parallels there. Also, part of the motive was like digging up beef from the past having to do with the siblings. So that's a, another common theme. True, so, actually. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, I have a, another note is I have a quote from Pekko that I thought was kind of impactful. And it is. To protect what's most important to you, you must be prepared to throw away something equally important. And that quote I thought was like very meaningful. In the moment when she says that, it's implied to say that she's like speaking as sparkling justice in that moment, implying that they should all sacrifice their own lives and throw away their own lives in order to protect justice. But later on, when you learn about her and Fuyuhiko, you realize what she's really saying is, I'm protecting Fuyuhiko. He's what's most important to me. And I'm going to throw away something equally important, which is my life. And it's also interesting, an interesting take on that would be, you could interpret that quote as her saying that she does think her life is equally as important as Fuyuhiko's and doesn't see herself as, as lesser than him. But I, I definitely, that, that quote gave me some food for thought, I think. I think that actually is a really good lead into the execution um, yes. because so she's a swordswoman, um, but earlier, like with Akane's comment of only a ninja could do it and like just kind of the thematic 
vibe throughout. Um, her execution is very much like a samurai execution. I ugly crying, ugly crying out here at the end of this trial. And this is it also me. Yeah, this is also the first time someone tries to intervene in an execution. Fuyuhiko runs yeah. in and is trying to stop, even though he knows there's nothing he can do. Like, it is complete futility. Like, he's not going to be able to save her. Um, but he still does it. God, my heart. And also, more symbolism in her execution is that she's literally like a puppet on a string, too. Yeah. In her thing. I thought that was interesting. The interesting thing about this execution is there, I mean, like Marin referenced it just now, there's a lot of like Japanese symbolism in this execution, which we don't see. It's like very Absolutely. like culturally Japanese feeling in like at the beginning, we're literally opened with that famous wave painting, the one we all know, oh, like yeah. the waves are designed after them. Like, like it's in the whole stage is set in that way um, for her execution, which I just thought it also kind of references like she served a big part of like their nation like the the yakuza you know organization like she was a big part of that and that was a big part of her right her life yeah this is actually a great time to talk about the title of this chapter which is sea and punishment sin and coconuts and if you flip that around so that it makes more sense for groupings it's sin and punishment sea and coconuts and sin and punishment is a third person shooter game that was released in 2000 for the Mm. nintendo 64 fun fact and it described a famine in 2007 um and so the government like creates the species so that the people can eat but that species mutates and starts attacking the world but like the world is also evil and this third party group kind of like a clan, if you will, comes and like joins up and the leader is described to have special fighting powers. And she tries to convince one of the main characters to shoot their friends to save themselves and the world. But the person refuses to kill their friend because they consider it the easy way out. And that, my friends, is this case because it is literally the clan like one of the clan leaders being like hey buddy here's an easy way out but kill all your friends and he says no yeah because he like it was interesting the end of this trial for me it felt like it was a no-brainer in some ways because the choice that Fuyuhiko was given at the end was either confirm that Pekka was just a tool and have everyone else around you die and you leave or acknowledge Pekka's humanity and autonomy and lose only her and let everyone else live. To me, that felt like a no-brainer of a decision, but it's still, I think it was meaningful that he did make that decision. Especially if you think how he might have been throwing away his opportunity to just go home right then and there, you know? Exactly. It's that, and also, like, she... I personally think that there is a romantic connection between them. I do think that way as well. Um, And so, like, I very much consider them to be kind of soulmates, and so to say, I'm going to lose the love of my life, you know, and after their mistake, like it was her mistake and he's having to punish her for it. Like that is yeah. sick. That is so sad. And like, oh. yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that actually. So the, you know, a lot of people talk about like love. Love is a common thing we like to talk about. And like, you know, whether you're of the opinion, I mean, I think most people are of the opinion that their love is romantic, you know, or platonic, you know, but there is a deep love there, right? No matter what 
kind of love it is. And I think that true love, in my opinion, is is a selfless form of caring, right? It, it's not selfish. Like that's, there's a transition that comes like, I don't know, this is something I was kind of raised to to think a little bit. But like when you love somebody, you know, it, it's selfish if you are constantly like, oh, like, what do they think about me? Like, am I doing all that I can about this this person? But then it bridges over to a selfless love, which in a way is like, I don't know, like, I'm not saying you have to like die for the person you love to prove that you love them, but it's like making sacrifices within yourself in order to, in order for this love to thrive and to grow. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully little sacrifices, like you said. Please yeah, not death. I, I was not implying like <laughs> true love is shown when you sacrifice your life. No, not what I meant. Bye, everyone. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> yeah, but, for anyway. sure. My last note is that Monokuma says about Nagito at the end of this trial that, quote, in a way, your misguided thoughts of what hope should be remind me of him, end quote. And of course, here he's talking about Makoto, but I hadn't played Trigger Happy Havoc when I played this game, so I was like, oh, no. and then I just moved on. I was like, I don't know what that means. Bye. <laughs> like, oh, that was weird. And then just move on. And so now replaying this, I'm like, of course, he's talking about Makoto, but I was just like, uh, who that? Maddie. Whenever I told you to play the second game first, I didn't think you were going to like it that much. And so I was kind of like, oh, yeah, just play the second game. It's going to be great. It's a mystery. And I, d- I thought you'd play it and like it, but not continue, you know, the obsession. Here we are. Lifelong like, you know. obsession with it. Yeah. No. I, <laughs> but, you know, just, Maddie, if you ever <laughs> like so get amnesia, I, Caroline and I will have you play the first game. Okay. okay. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, um, but yeah, that's that's my last note. My ending notes are just um, just the kind of things that happen at the very end that we think and are that we find and are left to wonder about. Yeah. So Monami says, "Quote is leaving hope or despair? Should we let them leave or not let them escape? That guy will take over our plan's final stage as well. What lies beyond that is the foul resurrection of the ultimate despair and the continuation of the biggest, most awful, most tragic event in human history." And I was like, Monami, normally you're like, I'm Monami. Like, what am I going to do today? And it was like so dark and like very unlike her. And so that kind of sent me for a loop. I was like, yeah, I didn't know what to think at that point. I thought the implication there was that she was good, that she wasn't evil, but I still wasn't convinced, I think. Um, But I really didn't know what to think. Right. The fact that she was saying, should we not let them escape? I was like, well, she's got to be evil then. You know, like, I mean, Mm. not letting these kids go. Like, I mean, or she's just like, kind of like, more like sociopathic, like playing them, you know? Or, I mean, if you think about like, the events of the first game, it's like, is she, does she think that she's protecting them from something? Mm. And that she thinks that it's better for them to be where they are. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of the way I interpreted it. And that's why I said, I think that gives the implication that she's on their side and wants the best for them. But like I said, I still wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent convinced that I trusted her. The last thing is just that Fuyuhiko gets carted away in the Monokuma ambulance, Dr. Yeah. Kogood. Um, and uh, 
and that he seems like he's going to die, but then we're left with the implication that he might live. Um, we know at the, at least at the end of the trial, at the end of the chapter, we know that he's not dead yet because he wasn't part of the countdown of students where it like ticks off right. Mahiru and Pekko. Um, so he's not part of that. So we know at least that he's like alive, but we don't know what state he's going to be in. We don't know that. if, yeah. All right. So for bed, wet, behead today, we are going to be picking between Pekko, Fuyuhiko, and Mahiru. It's pretty easy for me. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh I would behead Mahiru. Unfortunately, even though she is my twin, um I don't want to wed or bed someone who looks just like me. I would bed Pekko because she is beautiful and I like her a lot. But I would wed my true husbando. Yay! Fuyuhiko. I love him so much. He's my baby. Yay! Yay! <laughs> We're so happy that you're much happier this round than last round. With the much happier is uh, is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I would thrilled. Bed Makoto. <laughs> um, oh my god. Um, I actually have the same answers as you. Yeah. Um, not yeah. Behead Mahiru. Easy peasy. Um, and then I actually had a kind of a tough time between the other two, but I think that I would prefer to be married to someone who is like very goal oriented and someone I can support versus like, you know, Pekko is amazing and awesome, but I think it would be a lot of like, you know, you guys remember when we joked about me and Nekomaru <laughs> dating and it's just support, 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 support. <laughs> like, yeah, that was the vibe I got. Yeah. I have the same answer. <laughs> really? Yeah. Would Pekko? Um, I would, no, I would, I would, behead Mahiru not a huge fan of her I would I think I would bed Pekko and wed Fuyuhiko because I love them both so much I just want them to be happy but I think I would rather be married to Fuyuhiko because I think that he has a little bit more layers not that I don't think Pekko has layers I absolutely think she does but I um yeah I feel like I'd have an easier time connecting with Fuyuhiko because I think Pekko is pretty guarded and so that is the surprise of the century, actually. I thought I really thought you were going to pick Pekko to marry. Really? Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. Sure. Because you you and I, you know, sometimes we talk and we're like, wow, Pekko, beautiful. I love, um, yeah. I mean, I thought well, you that's would why go she's for her. her. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. But I, but I thought Maddie would go for marriage. With Pekko, I, I thought that that was where you were at with her, but it seems uh, I was it's wrong. It's a hard decision, though. It's a tough decision. It's not one that yeah, I yeah, easily, yeah. so. Hey, all good. Was it Jason who said, "What is wedding but a lifetime of marriage?" Uh, actually, Sean? oh my god, um, Marin, I think it was Biakia who said that. Oh, oh, true, 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 true. They sound <laughs> really me. Is it too late to put the jingle at the very end of the episode? <laughs> Honestly, that would be the meme of the century. Your beauty is beyond compare with gold. And skin so fair. All right, everybody, that is all we have for our episode today. We hope you enjoyed our chapter two analysis for Goodbye Despair. This was definitely an interesting chapter, so we had a lot of fun talking about it. 
Don't forget that if you have theories you want to share with us, or if you have questions that you want to have the chance to get featured on our podcast, um, you can send us a voicemail at anchor.fm. We would love to hear from you. And we also have lots of forms of social media where you can follow us. Um, we have Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram. We also have an amino. We are Ultra Hope Girls podcast pretty much everywhere. And lastly, if you are interested in more Ultra Hope Girls content, including bonus episodes and a Discord server with all of us, become a patron. The lowest tier is just $2 a month, and it is a pretty good time. So check us out at our Patreon. Um, the link to that is in the episode description if you're interested, and we would love to have you join us. And that's all for now. We'll see you next week. <laughs>